0: Wide right is the nothing personal word of the day for January 22nd, 2024. If you thought I was not gonna start with what happened in the Bills-Chiefs game, then you'd be incorrect. And I'm gonna throw down the I'm old gauntlet and tell you that Tyler Bass is in no way going to be ever mentioned, or shouldn't be ever mentioned in the same sentence as Scott Norwood who actually went wide right to lose a Super Bowl to my Giants in 1991. It's an insult to wide right. And I get what Jim Nance was doing. I understand that it's gotten a lot of attention because it's a triggering phrase in Buffalo. But I, along with so many members of the betting public, made a huge mistake, totally underestimated the storyline of naked Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, moving on, not just to the AFC Championship, but NFL's dream of having Taylor Swift in Vegas. And you may think I'm cynical on a random Monday morning, but all through the game, I kept thinking, this is just like what the Chiefs and Bills do. Last team with the ball wins, last team with the ball wins. Oh, I forgot, Taylor's there. So I wanted to start the show by telling Tyler Bass that Scott Norwood, by the way, is not sitting there happy. Oh, someone else now is wide right in Buffalo. I won't be remembered as that. That was a Super Bowl. This was a divisional round. Tyler Bass is not in Scott Norwood's neighborhood, zip code, city, county, state, nothing. Nothing will beat the wide right. I was so happy. That's the happiest, second happiest I've ever been which is crazy given that I won a pennant and a World Series involved in a team. But the happiest I've ever been as a fan is when the Knicks beat the Pacers to go to the finals. And the second happiest I've ever been is when Norwood went wide right. And as a touchdown dog, the Giants beat the Bills in the 1991 Super Bowl. It really is better to be a fan, folks, because my fandom, I watched the games this weekend, very interested, curious and interested about my picks of the day, obviously, when money's on the line. But being a fan, I'm jealous of all of you. What a weekend of games. I want to go to what happened in the Packers-Niners game because I want to talk about your betting. I'm going to talk about DraftKings. That's right, DraftKings. Here it comes. I'm about to talk about you and your competition fan duel. In an entire segment. Somewhere around the first drive of the game of the Niners Packers game, and yes, I'm not happy the Packers lost. So close to Jordan Love shoving it even further up Aaron Rodgers, Iwanaska. I definitely butchered that name again, Coca, because I do. Ayahuasca. I just added an extra letter. Debo Samuel gets hurt, and DraftKings tweets out the following. We will be refunding all losing bets that included Debo Samuel on markets that were undetermined before he left the game. Single parlay wagers where he was only the only losing selection. So if you had a four-way parlay and you had Debo Samuel as the final leg to win and Debo Samuel leaves the game with a shoulder injury, they are not taking your money. What they're giving you are the things that we talk about during our commercials and during our reads with DraftKings and all the other sites. Bonus bets. That's the credit that you get back in a bonus bet. For people who are not familiar with online wagering or don't do the Samson code for downloading the DraftKings sportsbook, a bonus bet is a little bit like a casino promotional chip. You get to bet the bonus bet, and if it's a $50 bonus bet and you win $50, you don't get $100 of cash that you can take out of your DraftKings account. You actually get $50 only, and then the bonus bet is gone. In a casino, when you have a promotional chip that's $100 and you bet it, you win a real black black chip if you win, but you can keep betting the promotional chip, and you do keep betting it till you lose it. FanDuel did not offer a refund. So when you place a bet with individual props, whether it's Draymond Green betting how many points or how many rebounds he'll get, and he comes in just for the tip, tip off and then leaves because he's injured, why is it that you think you should get a refund? When all you had to do was bet the under of what Draymond Green was doing, points, rebounds, assists, et cetera. And if a guy gets hurt early in a game, the good chance is that the under is going to cash on the individual prop. In football, every single weekend, and the games felt very choppy to me this weekend, All of the eyes in the sky, get player health, player safety. This guy's going to the tent. There's a stoppage in play. There's a guy down after almost every play. I think Roger Goodell, when he's watching the game, when he's not hobnobbing, should look out and say, wow, there seems to be players on the mat more than usual. It reminded me of Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and wedding crashers. Every time Owen Wilson turns around, Vince Vaughn during the flag football game, by the way, can't wait for the Orlando Pro Bowl. No chance, toilet pants, I'm watching the flag football skills game. But in any case, every time Owen Wilson turned around, Vince Vaughn had been knocked out by Maestro's Bradley Cooper. I feel like Roger Goodell's doing the same thing when he's at all these games. He's looking on the field, oh, it's injury timeout. So Debo Samuel is out. DraftKings gets together. They're, the president may or may not have been involved. Certainly they've decided what the system is to make decisions like that for their company, when they're going to give quote unquote refunds. Is there a gambler out there who's not aware of the possibility that a player prop over will lose because a player is injured? Does that not go into the calculus of the line? Does it not go into the calculus when you place the bet? Of course, people like the idea of the over because you have something to root for. And frankly, many of these markets, there's no under. Will, like in Anytime TD, the popular CBS go-to when they're making their predictions, CBS Sports HQ does it, NFL Today does it, everybody's always doing it. Christian McCaffrey, Anytime TD, he will score a touchdown. The only bet you're making is yes, he will. There's no other market. So if McCaffrey goes out with a shoulder injury in the first series, are you getting a refund on your anytime T D? It's sort of like I would want a refund on over passing yards for a quarterback if your team is up 50 yards, 50 points, and they stop passing the ball. Is that reasonable? Not to me. Well, I appreciate what DraftKings is trying to do especially, and FanDuel, with all the bonus bets, why they do that, why casinos do promotional chips, I get it. You will get it too if you give it one second's thought. The refund part bothers me because I don't want anyone to think when you are placing a bet, you know what the equivalent is when you buy a stock? Let's say you've done a bunch of research And you buy a stock about a company that is working on, let's say, the cure to herpes. Just throwing something out there. I don't know why that came to my head. Don't have it. Don't want it. And you buy the stock because you think, wow, they're about to cure herpes. And then once you know it, a day after you buy the stock, it turns out that the guy who was really focused on the herpes cure took a leave of absence and the stock price goes down. You're getting a refund? Do you get to sell your stock at above market rate because, hey, you get your money back? Is that what these online TD Ameritrade, hey, just kidding, got the pick wrong. Picking a stock, picking a game, picking an individual prop, picking a number in roulette, you are putting the money that you earn and you are betting, gambling, that you will get more money back at a future date. Unlike the guarantee of a bank, which some may say, oh, it's only guaranteed up to 100 grand. Oh, the interest rates could go down. I'm losing money. I might as well put my money in my mattress. Do not compare putting money in a financial institution to putting money in equity or putting money in gambling. Is it fairness? Was that the issue? How can a player ever achieve his individual prop number if he's not playing? Hey, that's the break. I was shocked by that tweet. I'm not surprised FanDuel did not do it as well. Is it enough to make you change from FanDuel to DraftKings? Maybe that should be our promotional read, Coca, where what we say is, hey, listen, you lose a bet, If it's because a player got hurt, we'll give it back. What about if you had the bills on the money line and you lose it because of a wide right? Why, I don't understand. Where's my refund and bonus bets for that pick of the day? Remember we told you about Jeffrey Lurie, owner of the Eagles, meeting with Nick Sariani. Nick, I'm gonna need a plan. What's your plan, good old Nick? Started at 10 and one, ended up 11 and six, lost in the first round, got your ass kicked. What's your plan? Sirianni walks into the meeting, ready to present his plan. And Jeffrey Lurie says, sorry, misunderstanding. What I meant was, I'm giving you my plan. You can sit there and listen. Now, if you don't like my plan, no problem. Don't let the door hit you in the tuchus. But if you do like my plan, We're gonna need to do a few firings. I used to love meetings like that with managers because it's power. Hate to admit that, Coco, but that's all it is. When you meet with a manager and say, we're gonna keep you, but we're firing your pitching coach and your hitting coach and your bench coach, that's the worst because bench coaches are chosen by the manager. When you fire a manager's bench coach in baseball, that's it. That manager's done. You should have known, Felipe. So Nick Sirianni goes into the meeting, told it, hey, I think that uh, Sean Desai is going to be fired. Nick Sirianni said, well, you already took his play calling away, so what's the real difference? Oh, no, but how about Matt Patricia? We'd like him to be fired, too. And by the way, we'd like the offensive coordinator to be fired if you don't really mind. Sirianni said, well, Matt Patricia's not even under contract. Great, we don't have to fire him, we're just gonna let him go. So I wanted to mention the way it works with owners in meetings or team presidents or even GMs. When you meet your head coach after a season, you've met without your head coach and you've developed what the strategy is for the meeting with the manager or the coach and what you're gonna talk about and what you're trying to accomplish and what you need to be the takeaway from the meeting. There is no meeting. Like Jerry Jones did not meet with Mike McCarthy after the Dolph- after the Dolphins, after the Cowboys loss, and go into the meeting saying, well, tell me about it. Tell me about it, like the movie Grease. No, your entire plan is you know whether you're keeping the manager or not, you know whether you're keeping his coaches or not, and you've begun to work on what you're doing with player personnel as it relates to the salary cap. You bring the coach in to inform him what you're doing. The teams that don't do it that way are the teams whose coaches are also the GMs. So when you have a Bill Belichick or what Mike Vrabel hopes to be, the way that meeting goes is the owners have meetings with their player personnel people with other powerful voices within the organization then they come up with the plan and then they meet with the coach slash gm and give them the plan what you may say is oh but the whole issue with the coach having that power is the coach is involved in personnel and the coach is the one who is giving the thoughts to the owner that's only true about some player movement, not true about a coaching staff, not true about that person himself being let go. Those decisions are made prior to postseason quote-unquote planning meetings. So we had that one absolutely nailed when we talked about it. What else can I mention that was in my head this weekend? Uh, Okay, I got to give Koka some props here, just a few. I don't want to give him too many. I told you he's a huge Ravens fan. Did anyone look better than Lamar Jackson and the Ravens the entire weekend? Do you think that they're going into their game as four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Chiefs, and they're saying to themselves, we can't win this game because of the Kelsey Taylor Swift situation? What the Ravens were able to do should not make the Texans despondent at all. It doesn't take away from C.J. Stroud and what that team is, what that team under Ryan's accomplished. The Ravens are just a far superior team on both sides of the ball. As a matter of fact, they're better than the Bills or the Chiefs. They should, in all rights, score the Super Bowl. Coca, did you see the logo for Super this coming Super Bowl where people are saying the script is already done? It's Ravens Niners because the logo's and the color of the Ravens Niners. I don't know if you saw this, coca and the tweet went through the previous Super Bowl logos, and it had the colors of the teams that were also in the Super Bowl. That is quite a conspiracy theory as it relates to the scripting of the NFL season. And we'll know next week, because scripting the season for Roger Goodell is making sure the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. You get two weeks of hype and Vegas and Taylor Swift. It's like mana from heaven. But if you're going on quality of teams, quality of players, was there a time when Lamar Jackson could have switched teams? What owner would not want Lamar Jackson on the team? This is the MVP of the league. I enjoyed it for you, Coke. I was very happy for you. I really was. I was also happy for Dan Campbell. The Lions are going to the NFC Championship for the first time since 1991 with Wayne Fonts. They showed a picture of the owner, and I wanted to briefly discuss this. The daughter of the original owner who died, William Clay Ford. I believe they even have a WCF on their jerseys. Maybe that was last year, maybe it's this year. His daughter is Sheila Ford Hamp. Married a Hamp, but kept the Ford in her name, wouldn't you? And they showed her at the end of the game and they'd asked her about Dan Campbell and about the Lions. And she said, the way we used to operate is that we had no patience. We would change plans midway through a plan. And I looked at the TV and I said, I resemble that comment. That was my biggest mistake and why I only have one World Series ring. I couldn't stick to a plan. We had players who we kept for many years, sometimes too many, but the adjustments that we made were either to hold on to a bad plan too long or wait for what was a good plan to be good when it wasn't working. Or when we had a good plan that was good, we wouldn't double down and try to make it better. So every way I looked at how I followed through on plans, I realized that that was directly correlated to the lack of success I had after winning the World Series early in my career. And so when Sheila Hamp is interviewed and she said, listen, I could have easily pulled the cord on Dan Campbell for crying out loud, Milo, if I have a wait to see about that, that Dan Campbell doesn't make it the six years of his contract in Detroit because of lack of performance or any reason. I would win that wait to see if Dan Campbell quits, gets fired, something bad happens to him, which of course I don't want to see happen, but there's no refund for that way to see. The fact is that she said, we are gonna do something that we didn't do. And what she was really saying is that my family never did. We are going to be like the Astros. We're gonna be fine losing 100 games three years in a row. The Texans have now been able to do it. They were fine winning four games or fewer two or three seasons in a row. They are sticking to what they believe their plan was. The reason why teams change mid-plan is when they don't feel they're having the success early enough. So as an example, if the Detroit Lions as part of their plan did not progress from last year to this year, but instead regressed, which is 50% chance that during the course of a planned progression, you're gonna have a regression, and then maybe a second one that would cause you to say, this plan stinks, let's fire some people, let's change plans. I don't believe you should get credit. Like the Astros don't get credit to me, they get credit as a dynasty for sure. They don't get credit for sticking to the plan Because when they lost the 100 games three times in a row, a fourth time or not having the success they had within the first couple of years after those losing seasons, believe me, they would have changed plans. It's much easier to stick to a bad plan when you're in the good part and the good part is sustained. If the good part is a one and done. So I want to ask Sheila and can't wait if the Lions regress next year and they don't make the playoffs. Is all of a sudden her view gonna change? And we see that all over the sports world where views change of owners and presidents because of my favorite concept, recency bias, where everything seems the way it is now and everything is as though it had always been that way because it is this way now. It is so dangerous in life, in politics, in love, in betting, in sports to actually convince yourself that because the way things are now, that's different than what they've been. I'm looking at my piece of paper here, Coca. I'm a day early, but I can't stop looking at it. The Academy Award nominations come out tomorrow at 8.31 and 8.41, right during our live show. I asked Coca before we started, Hey, can we stop the live show or can we just watch together the nominations? And he said, David, you're the only one who cares about that. I said, don't be ridiculous. There are millions of people. The Oscars is one of the top 200 shows of the year. Anyway, I have my list ready of who I think will be nominated, snubs, surprises. I'm distracted by looking at it, Coco. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to review a TV show that I watched. I binged four to five seasons. And then we're going to talk about what happened with Sports Illustrated. It got a lot of attention when the entire staff got fired. I want to explain to you what is not being discussed about the events that happened at SI. And I'm confident we're going to have time to talk about the Red Sox Winter of Wonder. We'll be right back.
1: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca. Please, thank you for reviewing, rating. I'm not sure that's the thing anymore. Thank you for subscribing to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Thank you for signing up to be a participant in davidsampsonpodcast.com. One of the things we're going to do in 2024, at some point, we want to start doing a little extra for the insiders on davidsampsonpodcast.com, the people who sign up. Maybe a little extra content, maybe a little extra time with me. Something. Love the fact that you're buying the merchandise and enjoying it. I think we're gonna do a uh, another special shirt, Coca. Someone requested one, and I love the idea. A four eight shirt really make them wonder. All right, I want to review something that uh, I watched. I was very loyal to the Cone Brothers and Fargo the movie. Very loyal. When the show started, I was a TV snob, meaning I only liked movies, wasn't interested in television shows. I have since completely done a 180, and the quality of certain shows is off the charts. And while I thought that they would never be like movies, it turns out that there are shows that are better than movies. The writing, even the production design, everything, the quality of the people in the shows, so I decided, as part of my not sleeping, I was gonna try Fargo. And once I started, I couldn't stop. There are five seasons of Fargo. Noah Howley was the showrunner. They're not related. I mean, a little bit one and two, there's some characters of a different age of the same character, but you can watch any season you want independently. There have been a few things about the Fargo seasons that I wanna point out that you may have forgotten about. Billy Bob Thornton in season one, he does not get enough talk because he likes wearing vials of Angelina Jolie's blood. People do not wanna talk about Sling Blade. They don't wanna talk about the quality of what he does. I loved him in that show when he played the lawyer on Goliath, another TV show that was outstanding. Billy Bob Thornton stars in season one as a crazy man because Fargo is violent and crazy. He is worth the price of admission alone in season one. Season two comes out totally different, and you're looking at Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, and you're thinking, this is a real-life married couple, which they are. These are bona fide nominated movie stars, and their performance in Fargo season two, you won't be able to stop. So I'm thinking, this can't get better. And then season three happens, and I didn't focus on the gossip of Ewan McGregor, even though I love Ewan McGregor, Moulin Rouge, train spotting, please. He stars, he plays two different characters, twin brothers or just brothers, in season three of Fargo. And I remember reading that he was married and then had an onset affair and then got divorced. And now he's with this new woman. Her name is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I didn't even focus that it was Fargo, but it was Fargo must be some sort of unbelievable on set situation with Dunstan and Plemons in two and then McGuire and Winstead in three. Carrie Coon stars in season three. It's must watch TV. Season four, mediocre. Chris Rock was in it. He was good. It was fine. I didn't love the premise, but you don't have to worry that it's off the rails because you've got a season five. And I just finished season five with Juno Temple from Ted Lasso and John Hamm from Morning Show. (laughs) Really from Mad Men. There's gotta be a season six. Please watch Fargo if you haven't. Okay, Sports Illustrated. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. People my age, even a little younger, Every week, you're waiting to see who's on the cover of SI. Every week, you're reading letters to the mailbox. Every week, you're waiting for Rick Riley and what he says, his column at the end. Every week, you're looking at in-depth articles, nuggets about sports. Sports Illustrated formed the foundation of my interest in sports business. To be on the cover of SI, it was my proudest moment as a team president was having Beckett, and we were on the cover of SI. Every time we were on the cover of SI, we had Dontrell on the cover once. When we we had Ozzie Guillen and Jose Reyes on the cover, had them each sign like 200 covers. I still have a bunch of those, I think, Coca. I mean, I know it didn't work out, but when you're on the cover of SI, it's there was a cover jinx for crying out loud in football. Well, SI's fallen on some hard times, it's no longer looked at. But the swimsuit issue of Sports Illustrated was a life changer, and if you know, you know. It was National Geographic with amazingly beautiful people. You just couldn't believe what you were seeing. February, it was like Christmas in February or Triple Hanukkah. It's like going to the barbershop every day. So meanwhile, SI has had some issues because the world of publishing has changed. Everybody's trying to go digital. Everybody needs to go digital. Some companies did it better than others. But the misunderstanding that is taking place about what happened late last week, where it was announced that all of the employees of Sports Illustrated were fired, and that Sports Illustrated was closing down. Only months earlier, Sports Illustrated employees had formed a union. And I've had discussions on the Levitard show about this. I think it is absolutely fine to have unions to protect members. But let's make sure that we're clear about one thing. When you're management, you want to break a union, you can fire every one of them. The way you fire every one of them is you have the right to sell your company or close your company down. There is nothing the Major League Baseball Players Association can do if Major League Baseball decides they're going to cease to exist. Shohei Otani, see you later. You're not getting your $68 million. You shut down the entities, get rid of the assets, The underlying assets of each of the the franchises is only the worth of the franchises. It's not even the revenue streams of the broadcast deals. Those are often held in different entities. The point being that everyone's standing up and yelling fire in a crowded theater because of what SI quote-unquote did. SI was bought by a venture capital firm, firm called Authentic Brands Group. They own a bunch of things, but what they did is they sold the license to the name and the ability to publish sports illustrated to another company. So a company called arena group basically paid authentic brands group for the right to have sports illustrated that right costs money, that license costs money. When you don't renew your driver's license, you can't drive. When you don't renew your business license, you can't run your business. When you don't renew your publishing license, you can't publish. The arena group did not make the payment for its license. And when that happens, game over. People are saying that what happened with SI, it all went downhill with the fake authors and the fake names. People are saying it all went downhill when they couldn't make adjustments, when they lost all their great talent. Horse hockey, the firing of everybody. When the license was not paid for, the license was not renewed, there was no business to be done. What happens now? What happens now, is that the truth is going to come out and the truth will be that SI is not folding. That while many employees were let go, this was not about busting the union the way people are saying. This was about the reality of when payments are not made and there's no money to operate. Imagine, and this is the comparison I wanted to make so everyone would understand it. Imagine if a bank had only one mortgage, your mortgage, and the bank would use your mortgage payments to pay its tellers. And then you stop paying your mortgage. The bank has to fire its tellers. When you lose a source of revenue, you have to cut your expenses. Think about your own personal life. How much does your life change when you lose your job? So I was quite unhappy with the mischaracterization of everything that happened there. But now you know. By the way, it's come out since that SI is going to continue to be a magazine, digital. They're going to continue to have articles. They're going to operate Sports Illustrated. Authentic brands is going to figure out how to do it and they're gonna do it differently. They're gonna find someone else to buy the license. Coca, maybe Sampson and Coca Law should do it. We could run an SI Magazine. I can tell you who would be on my first cover. I will give, I personally will send you something from the David Sampson, this this is a new one, Coca, we didn't practice for this. And I'm gonna text you right now, just so you know who would be on my first cover and I'm doing this because then you'll know it's legitimate. We're gonna do a contest, no purchase necessary, but you will get a free piece of nothing personal merchandise. The first person to either tweet at David P. Sampson or go on davidsampsonpodcast.com and come up with who would be on first cover of SI if Sampson and Coca were taking over. And this is my answer. And I'm now texting it to Coca. First one to get it, you're gonna get a piece of merchandise. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. What a crappy weekend. The only thing we won was that ridiculous parlay of Ravens Niners, which was we had to lay two to one. We lost everything else. The Pacers lost to the Trailblazers on Friday. The Bills lost to the Chiefs on Sunday. The Niners didn't cover against the Packers. The Bucks lions game was going to be under the entire time, and all of a sudden, it was like everybody was scoring. We're down to 13-10. and 10. We're still up units, though. We got an NBA game tonight. I could do a whole thing about the Chicago Bulls and the Phoenix Suns, but I want to get on to the Boston Red Sox. We're taking the Suns minus 5.5 versus the Bulls. I'm going to put my Suns in my top. Six disappointing teams so far, but we're, you know, we're almost hitting. Wait, where are we, Coca? What is the Suns' record, like 24 and 18? We are past the halfway pole in the NBA season. Is that possible? If I have the record wrong, I have it wrong. And Coca, I don't think, I think he left the show. I've not seen him. I've not heard him or seen him this entire show. Hope I hope you're okay, Matt. All right, let's talk about the Red Sox. I got a topic for you. I have a concept. I have unreasonably defended the Boston Red Sox owners for years of all of people in the Northeast. And we've got a healthy audience up in the Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, that area, Jersey, certain parts of Connecticut. I talked to you about the four-word series the Red Sox have won, and you've told me I don't care doesn't interest me, they stink, they're cheap. Then I did a whole segment about Mbappe, a whole segment about Fenway Sports Group, a whole segue about LeBron James, what he owns when he doesn't own. And I have defended John Henry and Tom Werner and Sam Kennedy, their team president, all of whom I've known forever. This weekend, I have to err on the side of credibility with you, the audience. We had a small problem during what is a winter weekend. We did these in Montreal, we'd get a sponsor, we'd all get parkas and we'd run around to Quebec City and to Montreal and anywhere in the province to try to get people excited for the expo season. We did it in Florida where we do our winter weekend where we would make community appearances, give out turkeys, give out presents, have players go to different spots have it end in FanFest, building excitement for the season. Teams do in baseball winter conventions, anything to get money and to build excitement. The Red Sox last year did theirs and they got booed off the stage because people were pissed this year. They couldn't even get properly booed because Red Sox fans are so disenchanted the Red Sox are in danger of the worst thing, and that's apathy. Always would rather people boo me than not ignore me totally. So they do these interviews, and Chris Curtis of WEEI did an interview with Sam Kennedy. John Henry doesn't even show up, no big deal. Our owner did not go to caravan events or to fan fest often. Totally fine, totally normal. There is no reason and no expectation that a principal owner needs to make an appearance at these off-season events. You wanna hear from your manager, you wanna hear from your GM, you wanna hear from your team president. Tom Werner is a co-owner of the Red Sox. He's the one who had the quote, hey, we're going full throttle, and then they didn't go full throttle. And I explained to you that that's why we don't like owners to talk. Sam Kennedy is president said a few things during his interview that I think he would rather take back. And what he was talking about was how bad the seasons have been recently and how unacceptable it actually is. I love the concept. The problem is when you're going to talk about, as the Boston Red Sox, how inexcusable last place is, you've got to back it up with moves that you're making to not be in last place anymore. When you are a low revenue team, you can get away with the exact comment Sam Kennedy said every single year. When you're a high revenue, high payroll team, where there's already some people looking askance at whether or not you're allocating resources toward other properties, other than your baseball team, you don't have the latitude to say the things that Sam said. And what he was talking about is that when you get out and talk to Red Sox fans, people are angry and upset because we haven't performed. I understand that people equate spending, aggressive spending with trying. We own that, Sam Kennedy said, because we haven't matched up on big long-term contracts. There may be a perception that we're not trying And I can assure you that we are trying. And this is where it went off the rails for me. He said, we're building an organization that Red Sox fans are going to be very proud of. That is the go-to for all of these team front facing executives. I'm guilty. It's what we always say. Go ahead and look at what owners talk about when they make coaching changes, when they make big player trades. We are here for sustained winning. We are here to build an organization that our community can be proud of. We are here to compete year in and year out for a World Series, for a Super Bowl. Really? That's the best you got? When you're the Boston Red Sox and you're finishing in the last place several years, and there's a good chance you're doing it for a third year in a row. What exactly are you building? You're not retooling what you let bets go beside Devers. I have an idea. My idea is that owners and presidents of large market teams and high revenue teams should take a different approach with their fans. And they're all scared to. If I had ever been in that position, I would have been scared to also, unless I talked to my current self, and then I would have told my past self as team president, it's okay to do it, fans will like it. Believe me, they'll flock to a show about that kind of truth. Why can't Sam Kennedy have stood up and said, you know what, I'm not sure what more you as a fan can ask of our team. You think we're trying to finish in last place? No, but we're also feel no reason to spend over the luxury tax, we feel no reason to lose money. We've had payrolls that are in the top 10% of Major League Baseball, top 20% at its worst. We've got baseball people who will tell us when we can win and when we can't, and there is no way that we're gonna have sustained winning every year because no team does it. Sure, you can say the Dodgers make the playoffs every year. Fine, we like the rings. Nobody's ever honest. Instead, they say, we're trying to make you proud. We're building an organization. What does that mean? Chaim Bloom couldn't do it. Craig Breslow is the one who's gonna build that organization. The Marlins are doing it right now. We're building an organization. We fired everyone. We brought in Peter, new farm director new player development, new coaching staff, new assistant to the assistant traveling secretary. We're finally gonna do what Jeter couldn't do. We're gonna build an organization that will have sustained success. Well, news alert, sustained success, you need payroll. Coca, can I talk about Caitlin Clark? Are you gonna let me? Am I saving it for tomorrow? I'm going to save it for tomorrow. Caitlin Clark got hurt when people rushed the field, and I want to talk about that. I want to mention it. Before I go, I want to thank you all. I've heard from so many about your voting on sportspodcastgroup.com. The voting is open only until January 28th. We're nominated for two awards, Best Baseball Podcast. We didn't even get to talk about Josh Hader today, and I wanted to. That's a way to see that worked. Best sports business podcast. Sportspodcastgroup.com. Please, just go on it right now. You can use all of your burner emails. You can vote from any email. can make up an email. I mean, don't do that, but you could. We'll be back tomorrow. You can bet your bippy that I'm going to talk about fans rushing the courts because I've got a few thoughts that I'd like you to at least think about if you're one of those people who likes the thought of rushing the court. Spoiler alert. I don't like it when I'm at home. Until then, it's just business. This is Nothing Personal.